It's the Savage Land. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this episode is a creator interview with Becky Cloonan, uh, who is the writer of the current Punisher series, as well as Gotham Academy and Southern Cross. Uh, she also released her new anthology of short stories that she's done over the years um, called By Chance or Providence with colors by Lee Lowridge. Uh, Becky is a creator that we've talked about a bunch on the show before, um, so I'm super excited for everybody to listen to this interview. It was a great time. I uh, loved talking to her, and we'll have to get her on the show again in the future because... There's a lot to unpack there. She's really done some amazing work uh, that uh, we just can't glow enough about. Um, wanted to let you know this episode is brought to you by Comic Bento. Uh, this month's theme is Bento Gets Wet. Uh, they're bringing you five stories from above, below, and inside the true final frontier, the sea. Superheroes, pirates, magic, and mercenaries are all to be found in this deep diving collection. But hurry, the deadline for Bento Gets Wet is August 31st at 11.59 p.m. And then supplies dry up. Uh, You can go to comicbento.com and use the promo code SAVAGE. That will get you $5 off your first box. Um, I've glowed about Comic Bento before. Uh, I got my first box here just a couple weeks ago. and it was fantastic. I mean, it's it's incredible just getting four new comics that you either have heard of or maybe haven't even heard of at all. Um, and just exposing yourself, I guess, to things that you may or may not have already wanted to buy. Um, I'm right now reading Chris Roberson's Sovereign, uh, which I don't know if I would have bought on my own. Um, but I'm loving it. It's, you know, you, you just, there's no way to know uh, which comics might speak to you, which ones you might enjoy. Um, and that's the cool thing that Comic Bento provides. Not to mention, I mean, it's, you get four or five comics every month for the price of like one and a half. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a no brainer, you know, they're all collected editions, trade paperbacks. Uh, it's not just single issues or anything. Um, so you get complete story arcs uh, from some of the best creators. And I mean, it's, you know, this is Marvel, DC, Valiant, Image, Titan, IDW, Dynamite, like the the best publishers in the industry. Um, I'm excited for this month too. I mean, I I can imagine there's probably going to be some some Namor, some Aquaman. Um, I you know I mean there like there's so many comics. Aspen, you know, if you just think about the sea and the amount of incredible comics that have come out just based around that type of concept, I'm sure this will be a great box. So again, go to comicbento.com, use the promo code Savage, and you will get five dollars off your first month. Uh, but without further ado, let's kick it off to uh, episode 123 with Becky Cloonan. Welcome back to the Savage Land. I'm Jason. I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And today we have another creator interview. Uh, You know her as the writer of Southern Cross and Punisher, as well as the artist on uh, Killjoys, uh, the creator of By Chance or Providence, artist of Demo, all sorts of things. She's been doing everything you've loved for always, I think always, since the beginning of time. Uh, It's Becky Cloonan. Welcome to the show, Becky. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Uh, we've uh, we've been reading your books for I don't know quite some time now. Especially when Southern Cross first came out, I think was when we we uh, started talking about it. And then at one point, it just occurred to us, hey, why haven't we like asked her to be on the show? Yeah, uh, why haven't you? <laughs> I know. Why haven't That's we? What I'm <laughs> so sorry. What took Jeez, us so long? I feel bad now. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um. Oh. 
So yeah, I'm old. I've done a lot of books. Apparently. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of funny because like you've done a lot of books, but I mean, it's not like because I mean, your what was your your first like published uh, work? Was it demo? Jenny one. Jenny one. When did that come out? That was the year before. I guess 2001, maybe. Um, yeah, so I was that's also with Anti Planet Lar, and Brian Wood wrote it. And before that, I had done a bunch of like anthology work, like small self-published stuff and what have you. See that, like that's it's it's funny because like in I mean it's I guess it's been like a little over 15 years or whatever. But in that time, you've put out a crazy oh, amount of. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have put the number on it. I should have just left it that. <laughs> Uh, oh man! But you've, Sorry, you've... I just like, I don't know. I, I just had a birthday and like going through some kind of like existential. <laughs> I don't know if it's a crisis, maybe more of like just acceptance. Yeah, just that's a better way to put it. Just this sort of like <laughs> slow spiral into into oblivion that we're all just coming yeah, to accept. Just like the quickening of my death. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, even despite that, especially for someone who's a, a writer and an artist, <laughs> uh, it's really like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna forget about how My dumb everything sounds. Is, is poor little Jason over there is just this youngin just getting up in the world, and here we are talking about our, our inevitable demise. <laughs> um, it's it's funny though because oh. in that time, I think especially for for someone who is an artist as well as a writer, uh, you've put out more work than I think anyone would expect, uh, like in that time frame, because. I don't know. I mean, the work really, when, when really, I was... I don't think so. I think like the opposite. I'm like, man, I've like wasted so much time and I like <laughs> everyone I know is doing so much cool work and I've just like, what do I have to show for it? Just kick around some books. I don't know. I mean, I guess with the writing, it's kind of sped things up because I've had lately, I've had the opportunity like in the last few years, last three years, I guess, because I stopped drawing monthly books and I started writing them instead. Yeah. Um, I've had more opportunity to work on more books you know yeah but uh, i haven't been drawing them as much so i don't know the artist part of me feels super lazy right now <laughs> that's fair i mean you, you have been writing a lot but i, I don't think uh, it's anything to feel bad about because you've you've put out a, a hell of a lot of <laughs> well, books not, i mean i don't feel bad about it it's just a different you know after after drawing for your whole career and then switching to writing and not you know not drawing i feel like mm. i've just i've been concentrating more on my illustration work which is good on one hand because it's a different side of mm-hmm. your brain yeah. Um, but at the same time, I've gotten a lot slower. So, you know, <laughs> I'm slow. I'm slow and old now. <laughs> uh, well, so let's talk about that for a bit, because, you know, as your your career, like you said, has sort of transitioned a lot more into the writing side. Uh, it's it's, I guess, kind of timely to talk about um, by chance or providence, because as far as I know, that was kind of your first sort of venture into the writing side, was it not? Uh, yeah. Well, no. I had East Coast Rising before that okay. with Tokyo Pop that I wrote and drew. Um, that was like my first rough novel that I wrote and drew. I think it was like, oh, 2008, maybe? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was a bit, it was like almost 10 years ago. Let's see. I'll, I'll look it up and tell you the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, yeah. Um, I think that was like the first book that I wrote and drew, and it was, it went well. Um the second book was canceled, but I had 120 pages done. So that was like my first comic I was like truly in love with and the first comic that ever broke my heart. So, oh, a lot of feelings there. I'll, you know, it's like two, 120 pages with the rest of the series. Like they still have the rights to it and I'll never get that back. 
Yeah. Oof. Sorry, I'm a bummer. This is like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't all, know what's wrong with me. It's all good. No, it's. I mean, well, we'll <laughs> okay, we'll, cool. Yeah, we'll talk about but the East Coast Rising the was the first. Yeah, that was the first book that I wrote and drew like of any note. You know, the the, the my, what I would consider my first. Yeah. Well, so did you from the start of your career? Did you always kind of want to do writing as well as art, or when did that sort of thought uh, start to emerge for you? Uh, I always wanted to do writing and drawing. Uh, I knew I knew I wanted to do comics. I feel like at like when I was ten, maybe, but that wow. wasn't like a career option at the time. So the, you start to get more, you know, when you're like in your tens and elevens and twelves. <laughs> All the to good think years. Of like the good years, the you know the salad days. <laughs> those are um, those are the years you start thinking of realistic goals for yourself, including like paleontologist and mm. uh, you know marine biologist and like frog are three good examples of like careers that I wanted. Wait, did you just say frog? I said frog. Yeah. I wanted to be a frog. <laughs> um, these are like realistic goals. I felt like I set as a kid. Yeah. They're very um, realistic. Comic, a cartoonist was like, that would never happen. No, you know, who draws comics? Yeah. Um, and as I got older into high school, uh, one of my best friends in the world, her name was Jen quick or still is Jen quick. Uh, that's a cool name. She, yeah, she did comics for Tokyo Pop as well, and her and I grew up drawing comics together. Um, and, you know, we just did hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages of comics. I mean, this is on, like, loose-leaf paper. This is on, like, computer paper. Yeah, yeah. And um, and so that's what I did forever, and I was like, <laughs> this is what I want to do. I want to write and draw comic books. But then it was, like, the 90s, you know? So yeah. It was, like, the industry was really crappy. <laughs> it, it got really crappy, like, at, like, you know, when I was, like graduating high school so then I went to school for animation and then I dropped out and just did comics and that's where hell yeah brings me to like Jenny one which was my first time working with a writer and my first time like doing like an actual comic that will be published so I did everything you know it's all wrong but yeah yeah Brian Brian was great to work with but that was my I never envisioned myself working with other writers I was always you know since I was a kid like write and draw my own stuff yeah so do you when you write uh, for yourself versus when you write for somebody else, does that process kind of change? Do you like what? What's the difference, I guess, for you? Um, the different, the big difference comes with the artist that I'm working with, um, mm. and I think I have a, an advantage just in the fact that I kind of know already what is going to fit on the page mm-hmm. for myself. Like I can think about a story and be like, okay, here's the really comfortable page breaks for me, um, but then I have to think about who the artist is and if it's somebody who you know, can do like decompressed storytelling or if they can like, you know, really like what are their strengths as a storyteller, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I kind of write to that. Okay. You know, does that, yeah. does that make sense? No, that totally makes sense. So are you, so when I write yeah, for me, I just write what I want to draw and write and what I, you know, the things I know would make a good story. And then when I take that, I think about that, but then I try to play to the strengths of the artists. Mm-hmm. So, if, you know, when I work with Andy, I know he can handle a lot of like crazy backgrounds and uh, big swooping shots. And, uh, you know, he is really creative with his layouts and stuff. Yeah. So, like, you know, I try to play to that. And he does really good character stuff. And uh, him and I have very similar sensibilities, I think, when it comes to like straight up standard storytelling. So, like, uh, when I, you know, when I worked with Carl Kershaw, on Gotham Academy, mm. it was like, I was, he, he and I have like, you know, I could throw anything at him and I <coughs> no, don't know what he's going to, uh, what he's going to come up with. 
yeah. as far as like how to solve a particular storytelling problem. Um, but I'm familiar enough with his work and uh, Brendan Fletcher, my co-writer on Gotham Academy, has also worked with Carl before mm-hmm. on uh, Assassin's Creed's books and they did a, a Flash comic for the Wednesday comics mm-hmm. together. That was incredible. Um, so they already had a history of working together. So it's pretty easy to like that team formed really easily because uh, I just let Carl do what he does best. <laughs> and I thought about the things that he likes to draw and the things that, you know, what I think would be fun for him. Yeah. Yeah. Just wrote for that, you know, and Steve Dillon is a legend, you know, yeah. he will always be one of the greatest. Um, and so I was familiar with his work forever because I'm, you know, a huge preacher fan. And, oh, of course. Um, and I read a bunch of the Punisher Max stuff when it was coming out. Uh, so I was familiar with his work and I was like, I know exactly, you know, not that I know exactly what he's going to give me mm-hmm. when he would turn in a page, but it would be like, he does like his close ups, the intensity of his characters and the conviction and like the way he draws them. Mm-hmm. You can kind of play to that. So it was like, everybody has a different way that I would think about breaking a page down or uh, what kind of story I'd like to give them. That but for sense. myself, it's like, I don't have to worry about that. Cause I, wait, it's me, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, do you yeah anyway that was a really long roundabout way of kind of explaining that hey i mean like that that's exactly what a podcast is for i think it's just giving long roundabout answers for everything awesome i love it uh do you when you're writing for yourself do you ever have a tendency to like jump ahead of your script and just kind of like start drawing or do you have to kind of like put those restrictions on yourself uh i do a lot of like what i do is hmm. i do a lot of (laughs) sketching first okay you know like i'll sit down and draw the characters and the backgrounds and get everything I need kind of together. And as I'm doing that, the story kind of forms in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I go in, I do, instead of doing a full script, which is what I write for other people, I'll go in and do a very loose script and also thumbnail. And usually my script will be handwritten for myself, which I have really bad handwriting. So then I won't be able to read <laughs> afterwards, but at least I'll have written it out. And so it's kind of committed to memory and like the written sense. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, and then I'll do little thumbnails for myself and, that's how I kind of arrange a story in my own head. I think I'm more of a visual thinker. Um, and so doing the thumbnails really helps. It doesn't help for anyone else, though. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't do thumbnails for Carl. No? You know. No, of course not. He'd look at them and throw them away. I'm like, <laughs> Maybe he wouldn't even look at them. He'd be like, oh, that's nice. And he would just brush them off his desk when I wasn't looking. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's funny because, like, I... I always hear about uh, a writer like um, Grant Morrison. I hear that he like does thumbnails for every script that he writes, but then never shows them to an artist. I think that because as a as a writer, it's easier to see. Even if you maybe your draftsmanship skills aren't amazing, yeah. but I feel like that's really important to be able to do is to like visualize it and see can you fit all these beats on a page? Mm-hmm. You know, can all these like actions that are supposed to be happening like what's the one big emotion that's happening on the page what's the core of the crux of it yeah get to that and you'll and you'll be able to give it to a writer or an artist and and they'll be able to look at that and feel it as well i guess that is like there are certain comics that you look at and you're like oh man i, I feel bad for this artist like I, I don't know how they were supposed to fit all this on there <laughs> Yeah, I mean, some of that, too, is like just having when you're doing a monthly book, having that 20. Now it's 20. It used to be 22. I mean, that 20 page restriction is difficult because you have to get from point A to point B. And sometimes, you know, with 
if if your book gets shortened for whatever reason, or if they're like, oh, instead of six issues, you only have five, you know, you've got to fit a whole extra issues worth of work into these issues. You know, it's like these pages. Yeah. So, I it it doing the monthly books can be really difficult. You know, and I know we really pushed Carl with Gotham Academy and like the limits of how much you can physically, how much information you can fit on a page, but still be emotionally satisfying. Hmm. You know. Yeah. No, and I I think that's. It, it, it always struck like not to not to um i guess it wouldn't really be a derailment because it's still a book you worked on but uh that was i think something that was great with gotham academy is that every page felt like it was still um i don't know it didn't feel like there was much filler you know in, in talking about the 90s one of the biggest problems of 90s comics is there's a lot of like these unnecessary double page spreads and you know, things like that that are just kind of filler in the issues. But with Gotham Academy, and I think with, with really any of your work, uh, it's, I don't know, it doesn't ever feel like there's many wasted pages. So it sounds like that's probably a good concerted effort on, on your part, like a conscious thing at least. Yeah, especially for that series. I think there was so much information that had to go on each page. You know, it's not the 90s anymore. We can't be messing around with three double pages. <laughs> that's probably true. I don't, I don't know. Um I, yeah, I just, um, Southern Cross is a little bit different because, you know, when Andy and I are doing it, we're really thinking about the trades and mm-hmm. how it's going to read as a trade. Uh, so we, you know, have a little more wiggle room to be more decompressed with our storytelling. So sometimes that book reads like a slow burn, but in the end, it's like more of a conscious effort thinking that the trades are going to have a longer shelf life than the individual issues, which makes, you know, doing issues really difficult when you think, especially with Gotham Academy, mm. most of our readers are picking out up trades. Um, and so that from the beginning was one of the more like non-negotiable points. Like this book has to read well as a trade as yeah. well as single issues. Yeah, that and that's actually that that's a conversation I could definitely get derailed on is talking about sort of the merits of of uh, collected editions versus single issues. But uh, yeah, I'll I'll restrain myself for now. Maybe we can revisit that another time. <laughs> yeah, um, let's do it. Okay, for that's for the next. We'll save that for the next podcast. <laughs> there we go. Because um, I know, especially with Gotham Academy, it's such a uh, sort of uh, a relevant topic to that series. Um, and Southern Cross, I guess. Uh, but let's, I guess, before I sort of uh, concede my time and, and start biting into Rachel's, um, I want to talk about mm-hmm. By Chance or Providence here. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wh- how, how did this come about? I mean, it's, 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 you know, three sort of, like, I guess, roughly fantasy uh, and, like, you know, anthology stories. Uh, when did you first sort of get the idea to do something like this? Um, I guess... 2009, I think, mm-hmm. was the first idea. I was going to, um, I went to Japan with some friends to go to a comic convention there. And we decided to print a short anthology that we'd translate into Japanese and just have available. Oh, cool. It was like something kind of fun. Um, you know, so we had a lot of help with that. And that's when I had the first idea to do this comic, Wolves. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just want to draw a werewolf comic. And there wasn't really much, you know, <laughs> I mean, there was thought put into it, obviously, but yeah. like, there wasn't this idea that it would be this big thing that I would end up doing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with that book, we printed it and then I got it home and kind of sat on it for like, I guess a year or so. Um, and then I was just, uh, this is before Killjoys came out Mm. and I was just waiting on a script and I was like, you know what, while I'm, while I'm kind of sitting here just doing like some, you know, I was doing fill in issues and one shots and stuff like that. Uh, and short stories. I was like, I'm going to do my own book. Cause I 
had it in my mind that's what I really wanted to do was to start like writing and drawing but it was difficult to pitch because the only book I had under my belt was East Coast Rising which I got canceled mm-hmm. so it's a difficult thing to try and convince a publisher like hey I want to write and draw something <laughs> and everyone's like well maybe you should just work with a writer for a while more oh. you know that's like the well it was like the maybe you should like build up your chops a little bit and like establish yourself a little more as a creator before you know because a lot of when you're talking about doing like pitching a book to a publisher you've got to convince them that it'll be worth it and they might look at your you know your bibliography and be like well maybe you won't make as much as you know if you had waited to do killjoys first and mm-hmm. then, you know so i was like well i'm just gonna do this so i already have this book like kind of drawn but it's not really great it was like done for a short anthology so i made it longer and rewrote it and redrew a bunch of it um and then decided to self-publish it and then that went well, you know, I, a lot of people really liked it. And I was like, well, I'm going to do another one. Cause I, that's how I started doing comics. I would self-publish. So it wasn't like difficult to do. And I did so many conventions every year. Mm-hmm. It was nice to have like a new book. So it became like the second year I was like, I'm going to do this comic called the Meyer, and it's going to be about a haunted castle and a swamp and a ghost. And it's going to be really sad. It's going to make people <laughs> cry. And yeah. then the next year I was like, I'm going to do a really sad sulky story, but it's like, <laughs> gonna make people cry but this one's gonna be kind of sexy you know so it was like that was like the every year i had like a different thing and after i did three i was like well it's kind of a trilogy now yeah might as well do it like collect it as a trade like a graphic novel so i did a hardcover the next year and that sold out really fast and then yeah and then i moved around a bunch and didn't have um any means to self-publish because i didn't have a house Mm. i went home for a few years (laughs) so yeah so that's um then it takes us to where we are now. <laughs> Just, well, I talked to Image and Eric Stevenson was like, of course we would love to do this. Duh.com. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know? was it was it your sort of uh, idea to involve Lee Lowridge uh, and color it? Or was that a thing that kind of? Yes. Um, well, originally, uh, I was talking to Jordi Belair for a bit and, you know, she was Ooh. she's so busy. Yes. It just seemed like one of those. She's like, well, I could squeeze it in in like this week between like, you know, and I was like, well. <laughs> You know, I, uh, I talked to Lee and Lee was like, hey, I have a huge, I have like a few months open where I'm not doing anything. Oh, wow. Like, you know what? I am so familiar with his work and we work together on, you know, with Southern Cross. I know how he does Andy's stuff. And I was like, you know, I think this will be the, it's the perfect fit. It's good timing. Everything makes sense. So, yeah, you know, we did that and it's, per- it's exactly what I, I've never envisioned it in color before. So seeing it, I was like, just like, I, you know, it was amazing. Yeah. Like. How did he pick these colors? It's crazy. <laughs> I know I was uh, I was getting a lot of envy uh, uh, reading that book because I like right? I've I've been learning to color lately and I look at that like people like Lee or even Jordy as well they they have such a great mastery of like of, of Pal- yeah of palettes and mood. yeah yeah and um, it's so simple like I mean it's not simple it's deceptively simple what Lee does especially yeah. with Andy's work I've tried coloring Andy's work and it is impossible <laughs> so like you know. Lots of respect to Lee, who does what I could never do. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, he, he'll pull it together and just be like, okay, like, you don't need... All the information is there in the line work. Yeah. He's not trying to add things to it, and he's not trying to, you know... But he adds just enough to give you all the information, and it eases the... It, like, eases and facilitates the storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, he, like, for every scene, there's, like, a different color. For every room, there's a different color. Yeah. When moods change in the middle of a scene, he'll, like, change the color to, like, fit that. I mean, it's just, like, good. He's got such good intuition for that stuff. And it's, and with, by chance of providence, it was a very, like, 
I don't know. It was like, it just seemed so intuitive. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it wasn't heavy handed. No. And it was just exactly what the story needed to like, just push it off into your mind. Yeah. I mean, you know? yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And, and it's I just like, made like a motion. <laughs> you know. We'll make sure to like include some sort of visual in there with a time code. I so want a gif, an animated gif. I'll, I'll send you one. Please do. Yeah. That'd moment. be great. We'll okay. put it right there on that uh, time code. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I totally get you. And there were all, all those like little moments where, because, you know, obviously these stories were made originally as, as black and white stories. Uh, and so there is so much intuition required from a colorist to kind of go, okay, like it's more than just putting color, you know, sort of underneath this black and white stuff. Cause you've got like those panels where it's sort of, um, you know, almost like a memory or something like that, where he kind of does this, this, uh, uh, I'm, I'm losing the word in my head, but just like this kind of glaze over it to make it look a little more misty. Yeah. Um, it's like almost sepia kind of, Yeah, like that old, like an old faded, you know, it's a memory, so it's not in full color. Totally. But it still has some warmth. It still has some warmth to it. Yeah. I think there's like... a poet. There's a poetry to what he does. And I feel like if you're, you know, when you're working with a colorist and you're lucky enough to choose who they are and work closely with them mm-hmm. and have like a good rapport, the colorist is a storyteller as well. You know, so they're going to look at the story and help tell it. And, you know, as the, you know, writer and artist of this book i was like you have to be able to trust them to do what you want yeah you know? absolutely um and uh the last the last question i'll ask here uh before i toss it over to rachel to talk about punisher is was the entire goal of collecting these uh short stories together to just make people cry three times in a row yes okay cool <laughs> well i i think <laughs> when i when i make a story a lot of it is like what you know i want to tell a story i'm not just telling the story for myself you know Mm. i want other people to hear it so a lot of it is the thought of what i want to leave the reader with obviously it's to you know make everyone miserable that's what i really want to be people to be miserable um now i think you know a lot of it is me thinking about what do i want them to feel when they close the book but also like give stories that will like take on a new life you know, in your mind mm-hmm. to be something that you'd like want to think about afterwards and be like, you know what? I wonder what happened to those characters or I have a, I have, you know, the story was, it ended, but there's still like, I wonder what, I wonder what happened, you know, like that. Yes. Kind of, those are like my favorite, even, you know, movies that frustrate me or maybe I don't like so much. If they leave me with that feeling, mm-hmm. I still think about it. Even if I wasn't like a fan of the film or if I was like, you know, it just, it gives you that, you know, it creates a mood more and, and, and a story and characters, but like, it leaves you with a feeling, um, you know, and I I did like the last comic in the book is like a really stupid four panel short gag strip. So I I (laughs) I like, it was like, that was like the palate cleanser. I was like, well, everyone's miserable. So now here's like a little funny, (laughs) funny, you know? Yeah. I I absolutely loved having that kind of like right at the end because all three of the stories they do make you so sort of like introspective and a little bit stoic at the end like oh shit that was a little hard hitting and then right at the end of the book is just this little thing about like creeping on a person in public yeah it's, really, it's still a comic book yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's still just a story um, yeah. but hopefully they're like relatable and people each one I feel like hits different people too I've had you know depending on what your life experiences is. It's like, and I've got more stories about this, these characters and 
I've got more stories like in that universe. So mm. hopefully one day I would love to see that. I, yeah. You've got me yeah. hooked. Um, well, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll concede the, uh, the <laughs> mic now to Rachel and let her uh, go. Oh, yay. Okay. Hey, Rachel. <laughs> oh. Rachel's, Rachel's a little uh, shy okay. sometimes. I, I'm like the worst at asking questions. So just bear with me. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, I, I will admit I've never read a Punisher comic ever. So that's fine. I'm judge not lest you be judged, right? I'm, like. I'm not completely familiar with Frank Castle. I do know the basics, but um, I'm curious if Marvel approached you or if you pitched to Marvel for this comic. They approached me about it, and I was very surprised. I was like, "Why me?" <laughs> I didn't. Um, I don't. I don't know if they just latently saw something like angry and vicious, you know, in me. Yeah, <laughs> punish her really well. Because um, I'm not, you know, I'm not a gun person, mm. I guess is like the term. Like, I don't really know. And I'm not, I like the Punisher. You know, I've enjoyed, you know, War Journal was one of my favorite comics growing up. Mm. And uh, Punisher Max is, was awesome. I didn't read all of it. I read a little bit. Um, and I've been, since I got the job, I didn't actually go back and watch or read any Punisher stuff. Cause I was like, I just, it would probably just get too in my head and I'd end up like redoing stuff, you know, or like yeah. t- telling something kind of derivative. It was actually funny because the story that I pitched, oddly enough, um, I was like, I want the Punisher to go to the Savage Land. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was my original pitch. I was like, Punisher goes to Savage Land. He's got a, like, there's a pyramid that's made out of revenge. <laughs> Just like literally, and he's got to fight his way up the top. And when he gets to the top, he becomes like King Conan of the Savage Land. And oh I was my like, God, that sounds amazing. Right? That sounds but then amazing. I think it was like too close to another pitch that they got. So <laughs> I was like, what, really? So then I was like, well, let me just retell. Let me do something else. So my whole idea with bringing him to the Savage Land originally was like to take away all his weapons because they don't mm-hmm. have guns in this. There's no guns in the Savage Land, you know? That's our so rule, I was like, actually. Make him, yeah, that's a rule. No guns. Um, <laughs> like, uh, so, so yeah, so he goes there and whatever, and he's got to become more like more of a Rambo story, huh. where he's like, yeah, like got a survivalist kind of in the woods making traps and things, you know. And then uh, I was like, well, how do I tell that in like since I can't tell it in the Savage Land, maybe I'll just like rewrite the story kind of. And I was like, well, I'll just bring him to like New England. It's kind of like the same thing, you know? <laughs> yes, it's the same. Um, oh, dinosaurs there. <laughs> yeah, why not? Just like put him in New Hampshire, which is where I grew up. So it was kind of a nice thing to like, you know, push him up north a little bit. Uh, and he goes further north than that. Um, but it, the idea was like a road trip kind of comic. And because it was difficult to like take away his guns, really, <laughs> they, I, it had to happen over a long period of time. So I think yeah. by issue seven was the issue where he you know, started to have to use, like, he lost his van, and he lost his, you know, <laughs> all of his weapons, and he's got to make new ones, and he's got to make friends. Like, that's really difficult for Frank. He's not, yeah. like, you know, he's not an outgoing person. He doesn't make, he doesn't make friends easily. Um, I, I, I will say that Frank and Ethel was probably my favorite part. I loved Ethel. She was great. Um, <laughs> if I could bring her back from the dead, maybe in, like, maybe the Marvel zombies, maybe we could do something with that. <laughs> I, I but, was pretty sad when she died, but at the same right? time, it was like, well, that kind of needed to happen. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I feel like there's, I mean, yeah, she was, 
what's left after that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And, um, I don't know. I, it was fun. You know, there's a lot of cool stuff. I was only, I pitched 12, uh, ended up staying on for longer. So that was cool. But yeah, I, um, have no, I mean, it worked out. It was, it's been really challenging writing this character again, because like, I'm not, I think a lot of it is that I just don't have the knowledge of like, uh, you know, arms and armory. <laughs> like I can look yeah. it up. I can like get in like Wikipedia, like, and do all my research and stuff. And I try to, uh, especially with doing stuff like, you know, I had DEA characters. So I'm constantly like, what is it? Blah, blah, blah. Like, what's a term for this? Or like, what's some good like DEA dialogue? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, and a lot, you know, a lot of it is like guns. Through the, it's, and especially in a comic like this, the weapons that the character uses, it's so important. You know, like if the, does the character have like, is it something flashy? Is it plated in gold? What does that say about them? Is it an old army gun from like World War One or World War Two? Did it belong to someone's grandparents? Like, how did they come into possession of that? Like, is it sentimental? Is it like, what does this weapon say about this person? And mm-hmm. and especially Frank, why is he using this particular gun? Because he's you know he's like a an artist. You know, he would choose his gun like an artist, like a painter chooses his brush. So without me having that knowledge, you know, and I've shot a few guns before and I'm not like, you know, completely, I'm not, uh, unfamiliar with them, but I'm not, I don't have like the vocabulary, you know? Mm. And so I think that was the difficult thing. And part of it was like trying to be true to the character and true to like, not be snarky about it and approach it honestly, but also take away his guns. (laughs) So I could do things with like bear traps on like, you know, chains and we just, we axes. And so it's just been a lot of fun. You know, he's making his own weapons. He's has to be a little more savvy. And then when he gets back to New York, the first issue we had was, uh, he was missing a gun. So it was trying to find it. Yeah. I, I did like that episode. Not an that episode. Was, <laughs> issue. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> so I think that was the main thing was just who is the punisher without his weapons really. And then, what is what what does he do when he can't kill the man that he's set out to kill? Because basically, I'm pitch I pitched him like Jason Voorhees. You know, I was like, it's mm. a comic book about Jason Voorhees that kills criminals instead of teens. So that's what <laughs> that's I try to keep his dialogue down. I try to, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah, he doesn't have a lot a of dialogue, and he's no just more in the shadows, and then he yeah. just kind of shows up, kills people, and, and he, leaves. Exactly, and he's not the type of guy that's out to save anything you know he's not like i need to save new york city or like i need to save this person from the criminal he's like i need to kill the criminal i need to get that fucking dude and just (laughs) wipe him off the map you know like he's not a savior he is a destroyer he's like a bringer of death and destruction it's pretty cool (laughs) i just pictured you like with like like a guitar just like singing some (laughs) death metal or something i only play i only play open chords so that you wouldn't want to hear that (laughs) (laughs) did you ever write a scene too violent no because uh i've i've tried (laughs) it's actually not a max book so like it's it's censored you know and so people are like why is there so much violence and yet there's like asterisks where the swears should be i don't know like that's just that's logic it's comic book logic so (laughs) thanks to thanks to comics code i guess for that and um I've tried to like, because I know it's not, um, it's not a max book. 
So I, from the beginning, I was always like, I'm just going to write it way worse than I think it needs to be. And then like when they scale it back, you know, it'll be like at where I want it, you know? So say I want like 50%, I'll ask for a hundred and then they'll scale it back and I'll get what I want or maybe a little more, but they've never once like asked me to tone it down. In fact, they often ask me, they're like, can you just punch the scene up a little bit? Or like, can you like, you know, we've already like shot enough dudes in the eye. Can we do something else? Like that kind of thing. So a lot of it's me (laughs) thinking of like, like new deaths and like new fun ways to kill people. And like, not that it's fun to kill people. Don't do that. You guys You're at home listening. You heard it from Becky first. Yeah. yeah don't, don't kill people. That's bad. <laughs> it really is. I, I was curious about the censorship with the curse words. Just cause it is an R rated comic, but you yeah, but it's not in the max line. So that's, I think that's basically the thing like max. You can swear. I don't know. Maybe this is a good thing to like look up. <laughs> I just assumed it was because it's not a Max book. That's why I couldn't swear. And the blood, I think we have to be kind of like, it's been really bloody, but I think as long as it's not like gory, like you can show blood splattered in different places, but maybe showing like the brains flying out of the back of someone's head, that might be where they draw the line. Or like maybe like evisceration. I know we had some guy getting eviscerated by a bear, which was fun, but I don't think we showed all of it. I think. That was Matt Horak drawing it, and he was a little like, we have to do things a lot in the shadow, which I love because I feel like the less you show, the, like, the, the creepier it is. Yeah, it's a little unsettling. Yeah. So, um, I don't I, know. I, it's just I, fun. We're just having fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did love the main villain for a while there. The oh, face? Face that yeah. just cuts off people's faces. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> and, like, hangs see, them to his might... wall. <laughs> We might see a familiar face fairly soon. <laughs> were there? I'm curious. On the familiar face note, were there ever any familiar faces snuck into those scenes that were on the walls? Um, you know, I don't know that. Would I, you know? I was would say ask Steve, but I'm really sad about that. Yeah, that's sad. Oh, that that is interesting though. If you snuck anything in there, it'll be it. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a secret forever. That'll be the the Steve Dillon uh, legacy. Yeah, um, that was like just ter- that was terrible. Yeah. What happened to him? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I'm like so thankful to work with him. Um, it was really difficult, actually. Like I, said, uh, you know, I've never had someone pass away while we were working together, mm-hmm. or you know, worked with someone like in that close of, of a way. So, um, yeah, but that was like working with him was, I didn't even have to, you know, everything he would draw was like perfect, you know, like yeah. every page he would hand in. Um, the first, I mean, we, we were working together for a bit and it wasn't until they had the solicitations for issue one. And then we got the numbers back and we had sold like over 150,000 copies of issue one. And it outsold Batman, and it Whoa. was like, yeah, it was number two over like, was it the the new New Fifty Two or like the new Civil War Two? <laughs> and then there was like the re- was oh Rebirth number one, mm-hmm. the new New Fifty Two. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, I swear I work uh, in this industry. Um, <laughs> and then it was like third, and then Batman under that, and I was just like, what? And I just t- I was like, oh my god, you guys like we outsold Batman. That's fucking crazy. Like hundred fifty thousand copies. Who would have thought? this is insane. Well, you know, and then like 
a lot of exclamation points and ones mixed in together. And then, of course, you know, everyone, like, writes back, and everyone's, like, stoked. And then Steve writes back, and he's just like, uh, yeah, of course we sold 150000 What do you think we were going to sell? <laughs> like, and I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love it. He's like, every yeah, time I work on Punisher, it just sells that much. What's the deal? Yeah, he's like, he's like, uh, yeah, did you expect? I was like, oh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I shouldn't answer that. I don't think I even responded. I was like, well, well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, um, go ahead. But Matt Horak oh. actually picked up, he picked up the slack so well. He's been like a champ and, you yeah, know, I was he's going to ask He's about got a lot that. of Dylan, I think, in his style, you know, like I think if he's not inspired by Steve Dylan, I would be super surprised. But he also, I think, is doing you know, a good job of uh, picking up where we left off and, like, paying homage to, to Steve. Yeah. Well, was it Matt that started immediately in the transition, or was there somebody else in the middle um, as well? I'm trying to remember if there was someone before Matt. I can look it I up. I can't remember either. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was, but I, I wasn't quite sure. I'm, I'm, um, no, because I think Matt Matt picked up. I feel like on issue seven, like in the middle of issue seven. Wow, I'm curious. So uh, I don't think. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Uh, Chris Anka, Chris Anka did issue thirteen, but that was uh, a fill-in issue. I'm just curious uh, when they told you that uh, was was it you or the, or Steve that was on the book first, and what was it like finding out that you were going to be working with such a legend, especially in the Punisher lore, but just such a comics legend on that book. Um. Well, I found I was on the book first, and then they were like, "We're thinking of getting Steve Dillon," and I was like, (laughs) (laughs) "How do I work with Steve Dillon? Like, how do you do that? I'm not like, how do you? Can I work with Steve Dillon? Like, am I allowed to work with Steve Dillon? Like, is this? I don't know. Like, he's a legend, and I've read his book since I was a kid, so it was a difficult thing to kind of, you know, think you're worthy of. (laughs) Um. And then I think Rachel, uh, were you uh, were you, like, did did you have more questions, or should we go over to uh, Southern Cross now with Matt? I I, I just had one more yeah, question ahead. because I love how the action is paced, and I'm wondering if, as a writer, if you set the pace or if you left that up to the artist to kind of figure that out. Um, I'll dictate usually what happens in a fight scene, but I'm always open. You know, if so, if an artist has a better idea, if I'm like, how do you how do you get from point A to point B? You know. So I might write something, but if Matt or Steve had a better, or Chris had a better idea, I would, you know, always open to suggestions, especially, you know, because I mean, I know what it's like working with writers, too. And so sometimes, you know, when I was working with Brian Wood, I'd be like, well, what if we did it this way? Or like, what if I added a few panels here? He was always like, totally cool, too, whatever. And so I've adopted that, <laughs> that mentality. But I always try and like, you know, I always try and uh, fill in every scene that you know every beat so there's something there mm-hmm. you know i try not to do the you know page seven slash eight fight scene go crazy <laughs> you know that's like you know that's not my job <laughs> yeah so i try and like bring something to the table especially you know when it's like i've set the i've set the scene you know if this scene is set in you know on a boat what are things on a boat that you can fight with and try to just like give ideas and you know put choreograph the fight in like cool ways, you know. Mm. Uh, but you know, it's always, you know, if, if an artist has a better idea, I like to be in a collaborative relationship where I feel like people feel like good about bringing their own ideas to the table mm. as well. Hell yeah! All right, all right. I'm gonna pass it over to Matt. 
Uh, well, now I'm questioning my emotional maturity uh, uh, after reading Southern Cross because I, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't cry while I was reading it, and now I'm curious if that was a maybe I should have. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, but I so I read through Southern Cross and. Uh, uh, it, it's like an amalgam of all of my favorite kind of these, like the, the super ultra bizarre sci-fi from the eighties. And I'm, 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 where's that idea come from in your brain? Where, where, where was the, like the, you know, the, uh, the little worm for that for you? Well, uh, started with Andy actually. Andy approached me, uh, and he was like, Hey, I want to do like a sci-fi horror book. And I was like, cool. He's like, do you want to write it for me? And I was like, yeah. So I had this idea floating around in my head of doing like a haunted ship, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. But it was like an actual space, like a ship ship, like a ship that sails in the sea. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I was like, I'll just make it, put it in space and maybe like change it a little bit. So then that was the idea was like a, a woman finds out her sister has died and she has to travel to you know, retrieve the body and there's like a mystery on board the ship that's like linked. And so that was like kind of the start of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then of course Andy's like, you know, runs with it and we had this crazy, just kept world building and kept, you know, then, then the story became six issues and then it went to, you know, 12 and then now it's a trilogy. Um, And Eric Stevenson is very, from the start, he's like, yeah, do however many you want, you know, (laughs) it was kind of a nice, you know, you started with the idea that maybe you'll do it ongoing, but then it was originally one story arc and then we, you know, added onto it and stuff. So, mm. yeah. Um, and then, so this, yeah, the story just goes to Andy just as much as, as me. Oh, okay. Um, well, now then maybe this next question will be somewhat moot, but so this, this, <laughs> <laughs> this character, Alex, um, and maybe you can kind of broaden on this uh, away from Southern Cross, but like how much of yourself do you write into your characters or, you know, specifically Alex or anybody else throughout either Southern Cross or anything else you've written? Um, I think, you know, a lot of it comes from, you know, yourself, but you're also acting, you know, you're trying to figure out these characters and figure out what motivates them. And there's a lot of, if you, you have to be able to put yourself in other people's shoes and feel like an empathy for these characters, even if they're a bad guy, or even if they have a lot of irredeemable qualities, you have to find some way in your heart to like explore that a little bit. Um, so I, I, even though, you know, I wouldn't say every character is me. I think a lot of characters have facets of me, you know, or decisions that I might make, or, you know, you have to, when a character makes a decision, I like to feel like it has to be logical. And if I can't convince myself in their shoes, I would do something. Sometimes I find it difficult to, you know, I mean, except for like face from Punisher, you know, I wouldn't cut off anyone's face. I wouldn't do that. You know, sure. but like, yeah. whatever you right? say. <laughs> you guys believe me, right? Um, so yeah, I just I feel like for the most for the most part there are exceptions, but you want to be able to like to tell a compelling story, especially something that's really character driven, which yeah. Southern Cross is very character driven. Mm-hmm. I mean, and alien driven and ghost driven. <laughs> um, all the good so with stuff. that in mind, yeah, all the good stuff. With that in mind, I think you know. You have to feel what you're doing, sure. but I wouldn't say it's like autobiographical it, no. by any means. But I think having an experience and like writing about it through the filter of genre fiction is fine. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. I hope it's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
And then uh, the big thing I noticed reading through is, and, and, you know, I think this is, you know, this is, I don't, I'm not sure how much you have played into this or Lee and Andy sort of took over on this, but reading through Southern Cross, it's, you, you get these, you, almost every other, every other uh, two page spread is a, is a, is a, has like a filter, all these different color filters. Where, where was the, what's the idea behind that? Cause it's so, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's just dramatic as you go through. It's this whole yellow page, and then a green page, and a blue page, and then another that's yellow page. Yeah, you know that's that's him changing the scene. I think I think some of it is with Andy's art. There's so mm. he packs so much detail in there, um, and and the ship has you know each room has like a very different feel, and each scene has a very different feel. So I think Lee was trying to push that and be like, well, there's a time gap here. If there's like the next day, you know, he would try and. You know, here's a totally different room, and the big way you can tell the scene change is by the color change. You know, yeah, it says so much about the place that you're in. Um, yeah, no, I, I just thought that was such a such an interesting. Uh, you, I, you don't see that a lot, in, and this one's in the, in, in Southern Cross. It's it's, it's it's a lot more dramatic than you usually see. So I thought that was very cool. Yeah, yeah, no, it's his Andy's difficult to color, I think. Um, but Lee, <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he is. He's got there's a lot of lines. <laughs> he uses a lot of lines. Um, I uh, I don't know what it was about his work, but when I was trying to, um, I was before we got Lee on, I was trying to do a few sample pages just to give to colorists, and I was like, I can't even, I don't even know what to do with your pages. But Lee's like has all the right intuition and <laughs> is perfect. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, um, so I, in reading some other interviews, uh, music seems to be a big theme in your, uh, I don't know, existence, life, whatever you want to call it. I like what, music. Yeah. <laughs> what you would, know? uh, what would be, uh, what would be your Southern Cross soundtrack? Oh, um, I've actually made a few before they're on Spotify. So what? if you're on Spotify, yeah, you can go. And check out, I just did one for Southern Cross 2, I think. Um, I did one for Southern Cross 1 a while ago. And uh, Southern Cross Volume 2 had a lot of, like, uh, it, like there were space sounds, like NASA space sounds in between uh -huh. each song, which was kind of fun to do. Oh, yeah, nice. um, a lot of noise stuff, um, some a little bit of black metal, but, and some electronic stuff. So that was a lot of fun. Alan Parsons <laughs> Project, Pinkish Black, you know. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. The body, nice. I think, was on there. Uh, uh, Ufo moment was good. <laughs> yeah, zombie. It's there's some fun. There's some fun stuff, but it's mostly you know that's. It's I did one for. Um, I actually do soundtracks for a lot of things. I did a soundtrack for each of the characters from Gotham Academy, when oh, nice. I was pitching it because it got me into their headspace. If I was like, okay, I'm gonna make a mixtape as, you know, Pomelin, or I'm gonna make a mixtape as Map. So it would match on our mixtape to all of. You know, so that was like a character um, exercise, I guess, just to put you in that mood. And, it, and then it would be like, oh, what if you listen to that? Like, that would be, you know, what does Kyle listen to or what is Colton? Like, what's their difference? Mm. Um, and then with I did one for By Chance of Providence as well. And that, that's just mood music. You know, same with the Southern Cross stuff. It's not necessarily stuff I was listening to while I was working on it, but it's things that I think would suit the mood if you want to, like, you know, light a candle or like pour a glass of wine get in the mood sure. to like read it read a comic you know yeah uh no i, th I mean I, I think that's uh i think that's that you know so that's it's not exactly very white you know but it's like it's supposed to put you in like the mood to read the book <laughs> <laughs> Damn, i was doing it wrong i was listening to barry white the whole time i, I read it 
Yeah, come on, Jason. <laughs> that, maybe you're doing it right. Maybe actually you're doing it the right way. I feel like. Um. Well, I. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna pass it back over to Jay for a second. I, I do yeah, want to no, just yeah, say it. something really quick that because I said this to myself and I felt really stupid reading Southern Cross is that I'm like, man, I just love all these triangles. Oh, yeah. And I felt really dumb because then I'm like, that's like the dumbest thing to say. But it's so no cool. <laughs> There's a lot of, I mean, Andy's been doing some crazy stuff with like ge the geometry and the way he breaks up his pages um, and the way he tells a story with it. It's been like really, I don't know. He does, he has like a really cool, like, like old kind of EC horror comics vibe, but it's also like super psychedelic. Yeah, I was you just know? gonna say it's really psychedelic, and I, I, I love, love it. it. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. Is Andy? Yeah, I really like working with Andy. Is he a real human, or is he just like a character that popped up out of like a, a comic book or like a TV show or something like that, and just started existing? You know, I'm not sure. Because he's like, doesn't he like do like <laughs> do not know. wrestling, like like luchador yeah, wrestling? Wrestles. Yeah, he's a um, he's a mass wrestler. Uh, I don't want to like give too much away but he goes by bob the animal anger which is phenomenal i've seen him wrestle a few wow. times um and it's the best it's the greatest thing in the world that you'll ever see <laughs> what i love about andy is that he just puts so much joy into everything he does mm -hmm. and i think you can tell like when when you read his comics when you look at his art and watch him wrestle or even just you know hang out with him he's just very full of life so yeah. i'm lucky i'm lucky to have worked with him for oh. as long as i have <laughs> He's yeah, he's he's fantastic, and that was like your uh, Southern Cross was the first time I had ever seen his artwork at all, and I was like, holy crap, yeah. like, this is so yeah. So and good. he was doing so much work before that, you know, he worked on Kill Shakespeare, he did like a, a Zuda comic called mm -hmm. Bottle, of, Bottle of Awesome, and he did you know some Friday the Thirteenth stuff, and he just has a really big, you know, body of work. Yeah, that a lot of people just aren't familiar with, and I'm just like, oh, it's just, I'm you know. Andy should be making more comics. Yeah, let's but yeah, let's Southern just have him do a lot like... of work. So it's super slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are you doing, Andy? Why are you being so lazy? Jeez, pick up more oh, comics. Oh man, yeah, drawing all those spaceships. Super, <laughs> so easy to draw. Uh, I'm curious. So before we kind of get into our our lightning round here, uh, I kind of wanted to get a little bit sort of more of your your origin, or at least some some of of your sort of background. Uh, if you were to kind of look at your career, and I think a lot of people, especially in comics, there's like many different points that anyone could consider their big break, so to speak. Um, what do you consider to be yours? I think it would have to be demo. Mm. I mean, that was the book that like, if you want to say like the metaphorical map <laughs> thing that put me quote unquote on it, yeah. um, I think that was probably demo um, and working with Brian and Brian, I learned a lot about writing from working with him because he's another writer who plays to an artist's strength, you know? Mm -hmm. So he's, uh, you know, he's great to work with, and he understood the way that I told stories because he read all my mini comics before, and I think he was, you know, we had done some work together. So mm. all that considered, it just that was a book that really, you know, it took on a life of its own. And out of all my work that I've done previously, that's the one that like keeps getting reprinted or like you know yeah. it's had so many different reiterations now it's with dark horse and they've done like a phenomenal job repackaging it because we did six extra issues after the original 12 so now it's like 18 issues it's huge it's this yeah. giant book it's like every I drew, like i drew all that it's what what was i doing <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because like every time i see a new version of it you know over the past few years or whatever every time a new version comes out it's bigger 
And so every time I saw yeah. it, I was like, why, why does that book keep getting bigger? Like, I thought it was... Well, I think the newer one, they use better paper, too, the Dark Horse edition. Yeah. When they did it at Vertigo, it was like a newsprint, which looked really cool, mm-hmm. but it was also much thinner and lighter. Yeah. You know? So I think the, the Dark Horse one being on, like, a thicker paper and having all billion, one billion issues in it. It's only 18. <laughs> it's only no, it's issues. a billion, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then when we, we had Brian Wood on the show just a, a few weeks ago, and he said that when you guys like first, uh, you know, met to talk about doing comics together, that he was literally just like a random internet stranger that like messaged yeah. you and was just like, Hey, let's work together. Uh, yeah. Um, he was actually, he, uh, so I had read some of his channel zero book mm. and it's really funny cause he, uh, I think he got my website through Matthew Woodson. He's another illustrator that I knew on the internet. It's so funny because right now I'm actually at Matthew Woodson's house because he moved to Austin and like we're best friends. So, <laughs> so it's all like, you know, kind of this weird circle. But um, yeah, I think, and we were just talking about this the other day too, because he's like, how did we meet? And I'm like, I don't remember. Was it through Brian? He's like, no, Brian met you through me. And I was like, oh <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so he found me off his website. And so there was like kind of a professional, like, even though I didn't know him, Mm -hmm. uh, we were both New York local in New York. So it was easy to meet up, you know? And then, um, he had work that I was familiar with and he had so like when we sat down and talked, I remember he had, you know, a bunch of stuff that ended up becoming uh, local and stuff that ended up becoming demo. Oh, he had all these ideas, like the kernels of them. Mm. in these big manila envelopes and he was like check these out and i was like he's like would you be interested in working on any of this stuff and i was like uh yes <laughs> but i had never worked with a writer before so i was like this is here's my mini comics like check this is just what i do and it's not great you know i mean just uh dropped out of school background in animation um but i really wanted to do comics so that's really and working with him was really good too because it pushed my brown boundaries in ways that i if i had just started out writing and drawing for myself I don't think I would have had the same, um, like skill set, I guess. Like I, I wouldn't have, I would have pushed myself in different ways, Yeah. you know, cause when I do my own comics, I'm like, hell no, I'm not drawing any cars or buildings or anything like geometric like that. I'm just going to draw trees and werewolves and like beautiful women in gowns. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, and Brian was like, okay, here's a tank. Here's like some, a bunch of cop cars. There's like a riot happening. I was like, oh my God, all this stuff I have to draw that I would never draw myself. But doing that's like really important, I think, especially at that young age, because you're just, you're learning all these things. Like now I know how to draw cars and now I don't, you know, I might not like drawing them, but I can. Yeah. And that's, that's from working with writers who push you in different ways. Absolutely. And make you like, yeah, tell stories that you wouldn't normally tell and, and find those, you know, those every, you know, beats on each page in the rhythm. And that's like, Finding something you can truly collaborate on something with that and fall in love with the stories. So that was, I think, demo being the first, you know, book that I really fell in love with mm. myself and like putting that out there. You know. Hell yeah! It always felt like a true collaboration working with Brian. Yeah, it seemed like you guys, uh, you guys really had a good uh, partnership there. I mean, you you worked together for for quite a, you know, like it, it felt like a, there were so many times where you'd kind of circle back and work on stuff together, and and you know, like you yeah. said with demo, that it's just always sort of like expanding, and there's new stuff with it. Um, so yeah, it was one of those like creative teams where you can always just tell that you guys are completely sort of in sync with each other. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's always been good with him. Yeah. Uh, 
we do. So we've got a few questions uh, that were sent in from some listeners uh, through Reddit. So I'll go ahead and, and kind of float some to you. Uh, there's a few that like you've kind of answered some of them. So I'll sort of edit some of the questions out that you've already answered. Um, but uh, user Gray Ghost wants to know, do you have any other projects in the works at DC Comics after Gotham Academy? Uh, no, but there might be more Gotham Academy uh, down the line. Ooh. We're getting a new new additions uh, that Scholastic is putting out, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit smaller. It's the DC Superhero line, the DC Superhero Girls line. Oh, um, yeah. So it's the same size as them. It's like a 8% smaller or yeah, something. Yeah, it's like the digest size. Um, yeah, and it comes out in the fall, and they look amazing. That's awesome. So with this new... Yeah, with the new incarnation of it, because the, the, the story ends this week is the final issue, so tomorrow. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize Whatever. it was that soon. Yeah, it's second semester, issue 12, comes out tomorrow, um, and that's the final story. It's That's the whole story we wanted to tell. This is everything that we pitched from three years ago, Wow, all coming to fruition, and so it was a perfect place to kind of, like, put a break in the story, put a little, like, you know, little stopper right there, bookmark, and then have these new editions come out, and then hopefully... With the new additions will come like a new, new stories is the idea. Mm. So if the, if these do well, there's a, definitely like a future at DC, and everyone there's been really supportive of the book and really likes it. So I think, you know, if anything, I would love to do more Gotham Academy. Hell yeah! No, I, I think yeah. pretty much everybody would. Like of of the questions that we got submitted, I think uh, probably half of them were about Gotham Academy. <laughs> a lot oh, of them were kind of along the same lines, that- but yeah. That warms my heart. <laughs> yeah, people people love it. Um, yeah, we can't talk about it too much because I'll cry. I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to make you cry. Um, uh, user uh, Watermelon615 wants to know, if you had the opportunity to work with any writer or artist, uh, who would they be and what character would you like to work with them on? Oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> any writer or artist? Yeah. Is that the question? Yeah. Hmm. Well... Jeez, I'm trying to think because I've, I mean, I feel like I've been really lucky already and that, you know, everyone that I've worked with so far has been so good. You've had some pretty awesome and collaborators. And now I'm just, I'm pulling a blank because I just don't, I'm on the, <laughs> I'm on the spot. I'm bad it's with, a, I'm bad with being on the spot with things. It's a very, um, uh, it's a very broad question. But what about characters? Oh, no, oh, um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let me think. Silver Surfer. There I would go. do a, a Norrin Rad Shallow Ball story Ooh. if I could. Um, <laughs> and I would like to work with Jack Kirby if I could on that. Perfect. We'll um, call I don't know, can we make, yeah, I think if we could <laughs> pull some strings, maybe yeah. make that happen. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's, I'll, I'll probably think of a billion names once we hang up, but I'm like <laughs> blanking right now. It's all good. Um, and then uh, actually, I have actually I do have an answer for that, but Ooh. it's like something that's actually going to happen. So Tula Lote is someone that I would love oh. to work with. Oh. And I've talked to her about a book. I pitched her on an idea and she was like down. So Hell yeah. Like, Let's do it. We just need the time. I don't know when that's going to happen. But <laughs> Tula's fantastic. That, yeah, I so love her. Art. If I could work with anybody, it would be Tula Lote and it's happening. So that's awesome. Day. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then, uh, and you, you answered the, the Southern Cross playlist part of this guy's question, but uh, Josh Doge asks, uh, what's your favorite metal band? Ooh, um, that's really difficult, too. I mean, the easy one is to say Iron Maiden, because that's, you know, I love, that's probably my favorite. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, consistently, I guess. It's Yeah, it's probably uh, like the one that's always in your recents on uh, Spotify or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, there's a lot of, like, really good 
contemporary stuff for sure. And uh, I guess an album that I that just came out that I really enjoyed was the new Tau Cross album. Mm. Um, even though I, you know, I, it's a uh, ex Amivix um, members, and uh, I think one of the guys is from Voivod too, so that's cool. But yeah, their new album is called Pillar of Fire, and I enjoyed it. Um, I really like that band. It's like kind of like a good like crust kind of punk feel, but like also very metal, which is which is fun. Hell yeah. Um I was through a lot of Bolt Thrower lately and Napalm Death, which is classic. Mm-hmm. Um and another one of my favorite bands is called Winter Filleth, and they're coming out with a new album pretty I th- I feel like they're it's either coming out or they're recording it right now, or maybe they just finished recording. Um but they consistently do like some really incredible like folky kind of black metal. You know? Oh, interesting. Nothing. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, I wouldn't say too folky. I would say just folky enough. <laughs> just folky enough. That should be, you know what, if they're listening right now, they should put that on the cover as like the quote. No, they should. Just folky God, enough. They don't hear that. They'd, be, they'd be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're, they're good dudes and they're uh, some great, good, good riffs. You know? <laughs> Hell yeah. That blackened kind of. Okay, yeah. So, cool. yep. From being on the spot, I feel like that was pretty good. Yeah, no, that was that was a great answer on the spot. That's uh, you got it. Yeah. Um, all right, I think uh, I think we'll probably go ahead and go into the lightning round and then wrap it up. Let you go about your day because you've been very generous with your time. Um, yeah, I actually got to go pretty soon too. So sweet. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm on the clock. We will uh, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, we'll all just have a couple of quick uh, lightning round questions. But uh, at the end of by chance or providence, you basically or actually sorry, this is at the beginning. Um, you talk about, you know, this is for all the, the people who have crushes on their characters. Uh, which characters do you have crushes on? Oh, my God, the hunter. I can't stop drawing him. He's just, like, in my head. He doesn't even have a name. Like, I would just draw him all day if I could. I can't. Um, yeah, I think, like, the hunter and the queen, they're just, like, I just love those two characters because they're so miserable and so, like, like kind of in love, but it's, like, a miserable kind of love. There's a lot there. there I have a story about the queen, and I have a story about the king as well so one day i'll tell those and people will like revel in how disturbingly crappy these two characters are (laughs) but i love it yeah i can't wait i mean each each book i kind of felt you know you have you have to like really fall for your characters i feel like Mm. absolutely uh rachel or matt i don't know who's next on the lightning round all right i'm gonna go um have you ever hidden any easter eggs in your art and did you get away with it um, yeah, I think I, a lot of my older stuff is now, I still kind of do it sometimes if I'm doing contemporary stories, but hiding like, you know, friends, bands, shirts in the picture, like posters on the wall or something like that. Um, uh, Gotham Academy was full of Easter eggs. Like every issue had one or two at least, um, and like some deep cuts in there. So that's fun. I think for Batman fans to look through yeah. and kind of find, um, not so much in By Chance or Providence. You know, there's not really Easter egg room. It's not really an Easter egg-y kind of book. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Southern Cross has a lot. Southern Cross, we do, like, we're sponsored by Zubas, so some of the characters wear Zubas. <laughs> and there's, like, um, you know, it's just fun. Andy likes to hide things in there. So, it's, you know, I think if the story, like, allows it and it makes sense, then, yes, Easter eggs are totally, like, very fun to put in. But, like just not that's just not something i do in by chance of providence i don't think <laughs> yeah it's not really a place for it <laughs> cool uh all right i got one and uh what's uh what's 
What's one of your most memorable shows you've been to? Um, let me see. There's been a lot. So I feel like TCAF really opened up my eyes as to like what a comic convention could be. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like be, me having like a more festival kind of feel and um, consistently one of my favorite shows as well as um, Thought Bubble in the UK was always one of my favorites as well. And actually Tula Lote helps run that, organize that. Oh, cool. uh, show so that's how i met her was through i didn't even know she drew until like a year later but like she kept it <laughs> secret i guess um but i knew her as a festival organizer and so you know that was uh serendipitous i think meeting her yeah she became a very good friend um there's also a show in dublin and i don't know if they do it anymore but it was uh called dice the dublin international comics expo um and that was like just Good, you know what I mean? Like a show where it's just like the right people were invited and mm-hmm. it's just like a good environment. Everyone's like having a very good time. The organizers are attentive and the fans are amazing and, you know, organized show. I think the shows that you do really depend on like who else is there, you know, sure. because it's like what kind of experience do you have based on. And there was also, okay, there was a convention in Syracuse that I went to um, that was put on by cloud city comics mm-hmm. and uh the organizer jeff watkins and i got matching tattoos by the end of the show so that was a lot nice. of fun. Oh, wow <laughs> yeah that's pretty memorable <laughs> yeah we got it was matching metal gear tattoos yeah there's another thing to talk about next time you're on the show is metal gear <laughs> matching matching tattoos oh yeah matching tattoos let's all talk about all of our oh, matching yeah, tattoos <laughs> Um, well, cool. Hey, Becky, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, where can people find you on the internet and what should they look for in their comic stores? Uh, they should look for Southern Cross Volume 2, which just came out. And Ooh. if you haven't read Volume 1, you can get that as well. Um, Gotham Academy, Issue 12, Punisher, By Chance of Providence. These oh, are all yeah. new books. Should be easy to find. And if you can't find them, your store should be able to order them for you. Uh, and you can find me, I'm like at Becky Clunan on basically everything. Nice. So, Yeah. That's what we call search engine optimization, people. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Becky. Uh, we, I mean, I've you know got pages and pages of questions that we could ask you another time. Uh, so we'll love to have you on next, sometime. We'll do it next time. Absolutely. Save it for the next time. Exactly. <laughs> um, but thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you guys yeah, for having you. me. Uh, and that was Becky. Clu- what was that? Was that an and? I was trying to say and, and then it wasn't an and. Uh, that, was a, that was a butt and? <laughs> but and? But and? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, welcome back. Uh, that was that was welcome back. I don't know. We we know easy, how to do easy, this. Come on, get it together, Jason. Whew. That was Becky Clunan. Uh, shit, guys, that was uh, was good stuff. I I loved kind of going back and reading her work. I had read Killjoys like just a couple of weeks prior, um, and so part of me kept wanting to ask questions about Killjoys, and I was like, no, focus. Um, but yeah, that was uh, a fun time. What uh, what were your guys' impressions of uh, the books you read? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we both started talking at the same time, and, I, and then I just, I, that's how I trailed off. Well, because I was getting distracted, yeah, Rachel, and then it was a like, cat. There's oh, a cat in the room. I was like, oh, somebody stop talking. Um, <laughs> I, I absolutely loved, um, by chance or providence. Yeah, like I think that's my favorite. It's very good. It, it's so dark and gothic and. It's, romantic and it, sad and, yeah. and simple so simple yeah which i think really lends itself to story i mean there's so many overcomplicated stories are 
all across the board these days. So it's refreshing to see something like that. Yeah. Very simple and kind of like, oh, yeah, that's just a good little story. Yeah. As I was uh, as I was reading it, I was just like, oh, shit, this is like right up Rachel's wheelhouse. Like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) was all I could think while reading it. I was like, shit, maybe I should have switched Rachel and read Punisher instead and had her read this. Yeah. It it was perfect. Like I love the art. Yes. The stories. Like everything about it is completely stuff I'm into. Yeah, it, and I mean, like Becky's art. It's you know, it had been a while since uh, a book had sort of come out with her art, and even though these these you know the the short stories that are collected in it um, were stories that she had published before. You know, obviously seeing them in color and just kind of getting you know exposure to new stuff with her artwork was a, a freaking joy. Um, it's 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 interesting with her art because I don't like there's not another artist out there that I would say really has a similar style to hers. Um, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I loved uh, By Chance of Providence. I, I've been wanting to read that uh, that Punisher run, but I, I haven't gotten around to it quite yet. Um, I, I actually really liked it. And I obviously I've never read a Punisher before mm-hmm. and I don't really like those type of comics, but I, I loved it. Like, it's just violent enough. And there's, you know, faces kind of serial killer esque. So I liked that <laughs> aspect of it. And Frank kind of develops a relationship with a little girl. And then Ethel's this really old lady that kind of takes him in when he loses his guns. And just their dynamic was awesome. Mm. So it was more just his relationships with other people I really liked. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll keep reading it. Nice. I think I can't remember if like I think she's concluding it now or something. I'm not positive. I'll have to look it up and see. Um I'm not sure. Issue 14 came out last month. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, I'll I'll look it up. It's okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> What about uh what about you, Matt? How was uh Southern Cross? I know you'd read uh volume 1 before, but uh the overall like the series and then going into volume 2, anything stand out to you? Mm. Nothing's particularly stood out. No, I just think it's a cool story. It's super, super out there and definitely harkens back to that sort of like, like, like she was saying that like dark, weird sci-fi with a ghost ship and aliens and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, it's just space great. Space horror. Space horror. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Sci-fi horror. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. I like it quite a bit. I really like the sort of like, um, Andy's art is just awesome. He does these like super surreal, like do you guys know Alex Ross? He does those yeah. like tool paintings. Oh yeah. yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. Like, Oof, that's cool and weird and fits super well with the story. So yeah, no, I'm into it. I like it. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm glad that we finally got to, to have her on cause, um, she like i don't know she's just she's been one of my favorite writers and artists for a while like ever since really ever since uh killjoys and and going back and reading like demo and you know obviously having brian wood on before and kind of familiarizing with their collaborations um it's just it was, it was good to finally get her on and i'm I'm excited to have her on again because like i said i i have so many pages of of stupid questions that i could ask <laughs> 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 um but yeah, no, I, I'm I'm glad we got to read her books. Um, our next interview, and uh, we had to reschedule it because uh, some things came up, but our, our next interview is with, um, it's either going to be Michael Cho or Tim Seeley, depending on the rescheduling. I'm not sure uh, which one's going to come first. Um, 
I, th- I think Tim Seeley will be the next one. So make sure if you have any questions for Tim Seeley, uh, who currently is writing Hellblazer, uh, Nightwing, Revival. Uh, he wrote uh, uh, Hackslash. Um, shit, I can't even remember. Tons of other stuff. Look it up. You got the internet. Tons. Yeah. Tons of stuff. He's a great writer. Uh, may or may not be Rachel uh, under a pseudonym. Not sure about that. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to try and do some more investigation when we're interviewing him and just see if it's like Rachel going into a different room and putting on a mask. <laughs> yeah, tune in to find out if we're the same person. <laughs> um, and we want to thank uh, we want to thank Comic Bento for sponsoring this episode. Uh, Comic Bento, you can go to comicbento.com and use the promo code SAVAGE to get $5 off your first box and get uh, four fantastic comics from people like DC, Marvel, Image, all the great publishers. Uh, who knows? Maybe a Becky Cloonan comic will be in that box or maybe a Tim Seeley comic. I don't know. Um, and uh, you can also follow us uh, on social media. Where can they uh, follow us? Uh, wow, I was spacing out there for a second. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm back. Uh, Savage Zone Podcast, Facebook and Instagram, Savage Zone Pod on Twitter. Um, you can email us at letters at savagezonepodcast.com. Uh, you can call us at 413-SAVAGE4. Nice. And you can... Uh, I, Good and, job. Uh, Matt finally guys, remembered our phone number. But you interrupted me and I was almost done. Uh, we were just, we're so happy. I want to congratulate you. <laughs> uh, Don't sound too bored when then, you're saying it. And then please go to, uh, uh, you can find us on iTunes and uh, we would love if you would, uh, you know, rate and review. That uh, helps us out a ton, uh, gets, our, gets us out there and uh, lets everybody know how um, predictable I am with how what when i when i like things and i tell people that it's super good (laughs) super good um yeah i do want to reiterate uh following us on social media as well as leaving those ratings and reviews like it it really 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 does help us uh more than you could ever possibly know um and now we do also have our Amazon banner. Uh, like we've said, if you go to thatmightbecool.com and click on the banner, you can shop on Amazon just like you normally would. Uh, but a percentage will go back to us and, and help us get to conventions, uh, you know, get equipment and, and things like that. Like whatever sort of costs are associated with uh, podcasting, like licensing fees and, and you know, uh, bandwidth and all that stuff. Uh, all of it really helps. So... Anything you can do to help support the show is always much appreciated, and we love you. We also want to thank everybody who submitted questions through Reddit. Uh, we try to post there every time that we're interviewing somebody uh, and kind of open up the the questions to our uh, our friends over on Reddit because those comic book communities are always really uh, fun and come up with interesting questions that I don't think we would typically come up with. Um, so yeah, I don't know. What is there? Is there anything else to say? Anything, Rach? Do you have anything to say, Rach? Do you have any things to add? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, but thank you all for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed your time in the Savage Land. I, I did it again. I did the I did a catchphrase. Good job. Don't, say, don't save him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>